putting on mascara isn't going to change the world, but it may change your perception of yourself just enough so that you can. And that is the basis that I base my entire company around is that idea that it's not the makeup. It's you, babe. You're the one who's going to go and do it. So do it. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by CEO and founder of Elate Cosmetics, Miss Melody Reynolds. Hey Melody, how are you? Hi Ella, I'm great, how are you? I am super pumped because we've been wanting to talk about natural makeup options for a long time on the show, and frankly, I was talking about it a year ago, Melody, and just looking for different options, and I didn't really get anywhere with that. But this is the year we are bringing the options to the people, and that is how I found out about you and your company, Elate Cosmetics, but Melody, I wanted to talk to you about so much more than that. (laughs) I got to know you because I contacted your company about this opportunity. But when I heard a little bit more of your story, I was like, we got to get this sister on the air. So first of all, Miss Melody, would you tell people who you are and what you do? So my name is Melody Reynolds, and I'm the founder and CEO of a toxin-free, cruelty-free vegan cosmetic company called Elate. And where are you today? Today, I'm actually in my home office in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, because my actual office is a buzz of activity, and so I needed some quiet space, so I'm working from home this morning. (laughs) Oh, I hear that. And yes, before anyone asks, because the question has already popped up in everyone's head is, this is great. We're going to talk about all kinds of topics, and we will tell people where to find Elate. And yes, Mm. they ship internationally. Let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) All right, we'll talk more about that. Melody, what on earth brought you here? Tell us a little bit about your superhero journey. Thank you, Ella. I love that you use the word superhero because that's definitely what I enjoy to feel like. It was a long journey, to be honest with you, just like everyone else. You know, life is a long journey. And when you are making positive changes in your life, they can be really long and it can feel really hard. And for me, I've been a makeup artist for 20 years. And about 10 years ago, I started on not only a, you know, professional journey to, you know, be better, do better, but also a personal journey. And I basically uprooted my life and I moved 3000 kilometers across Canada, across the country. And along that way, I basically, you know, with every kilometer that clicked over on my car, I felt this renewed sense of of purpose. And that purpose was to be better, to do better and to take better care of myself so that I would feel better. And it started with my nutrition. It started with my fitness. It started with my emotional and mental health. And this was, you know, and it's still ongoing, right? That I don't by any means mean that that journey is over. But the culmination of when I arrived in Victoria and I realized that I was very, you know, I kind of looked around and went, here I am. I've arrived. This is great. I've still got a lot of work to do. And so I took that renewed sense of purpose and injected it now into my professional life. But Ella, that was hard because the cosmetics industry and the beauty industry specifically 
is so toxic. And I'm not just talking about the ingredients or the products, right? I'm talking about the fear and shame-based marketing that make us all feel bad about ourselves so we buy products. Yeah, there's so much there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, you know, so now I've got this renewed sense of purpose in my personal life. And now I'm trying to tackle my professional life, but it was just so difficult. And it actually took me moving to London in the UK with my partner to discover that I could make that change. I went over there and I did a bunch of things. I was in a ukulele band. As you do. <laughs> As you do. I did some runway shows. I worked at uh, an anthropology for a while because I thought that that would be a fun thing to do. And then I also started making my own skincare products. And that was really when the pieces of the puzzle started to come together. You know, I'd always had a really big interest in chemistry. I'd worked for a large international cosmetics company, and I was lucky enough to work with the chemist a bit. So I had an understanding of what goes into the products and, you know, what the chemical portion is and why it's in there. But I didn't like those answers anymore because it just didn't make any sense. And so when I started learning how to make my own skincare, you know, I felt this, again, this renewed sense of purpose, like, wow, not only can I make my own products and make them really healthy, I can make them just for me. So they're very personalized and I'm saving some money, which was great. And then when we came back to Canada, I sort of, you know, was ready to take up my freelance makeup artistry business again and sort of looked around for any you know, for a product that I could really stand behind, a product that was performance-based, that was also, you know, non-toxic, cruelty-free, because that's a huge piece for me, yeah. and vegan. And I couldn't find anything that had all of those pieces. And so armed with my new knowledge of how to make skincare, I decided to try and tackle making some cosmetic products too. And I'm so happy I did, because my line is fantastic. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you were yeah. kind enough to send me a, a very lovely sampling and I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm so happy. And you know, and that's the thing is, no matter what it is, if you make something, you know, and you put it out into the world and someone loves it, it's such a good feeling. You know, it's like, I often say this and I think it's quite amusing, but everyone thinks their own baby is so good looking. You know, so, and like, let's be honest, not everybody's baby is good looking, right? So what's really great is when someone else is like, hey, I also think your baby's good looking. And I'm like, yay. And that's what I love. I'm just thrilled that I can finally carry a flag because I switched between nutritional protocols, if you will. But my face, my face went vegan. Right? Absolutely. And it's funny because I get a lot of questions about the vegan portion. Like, are you a vegan? And yes, I was. Um, however, I'm not anymore. And the reason is because I practice what I like to call conscious living. And so it's not just about, you know, being vegan, it's about eating consciously. And so sometimes for me, the best choice is like a fish that my local fisherman friend caught sustainably. And that's an okay choice for me, right? So yeah, I totally understand what you mean. You, you have to do what's right for you when it's right for you and when it's also right for the world. Well, tell me more about your journey, Melody, because I know there was a lot wrapped up in there. Mm -hmm. And you said, in your words, you come from an industry that's quite toxic. Agre ingredients aside, the industry itself is quite toxic. Like, what was that journey of sort of self-actualization like for you? I mean, how did you feel when you were right in the thick of it? What was that experience like for you? Oh, <laughs> right in the thick of it, it feels like the depths of despair. Because I think that, in fact, I know that I'm not alone. And, you know, earlier you mentioned, you know, superhero. And that is actually what my superpower is, is I recognize that I am utterly and exceptionally and completely average. And that as my superpower means that 
I know that everything that I'm going through, pretty much everyone else is going through it too. And that's actually something that I take a lot of comfort in because I know that my journey will be of help to someone else, just like someone else's journey helped me. Because, you know, down to the root, like to the very, very heart of it, we're all the same. We all want to be loved, but we all want to love ourselves. And that is the hardest part. And so, oh goodness. Have I made so, you cry already? You have. Yes, yes. You, have. <laughs> you guys, Melody and, told me she was a crier. And I was like, if I fail to bring a tear mm-hmm, to your eye, I'm mm-hmm. hanging up my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. Yeah. Crying is another one of my superpowers. That's good. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I think that for me, it was such a, it was such a toxic environment to be in, to be in this place in the beauty industry where, where I was busy talking to people about how they should look, you know, when you look in the mirror, what do you want to look like? And I got through to myself because I stopped thinking about how I looked and started thinking about how I want to feel, you know, and self-esteem is a visual thing for most of us, or that's what we think, because our self-esteem, we think comes from something external, but it doesn't, you know, your self-worth is something that is deep within you. It's a well that only you can fill up. No one else can fill it up for you. And you can't fill it up by buying fancy clothes or, you know, putting on fancy jewelry or, you know, or you can't fill it up with someone else, you know, telling you that you need to fill it up either. You need to do it for yourself. And so that was such a, it really was something that I didn't know before, which I know sounds silly, but I literally grew up thinking, you know, like not having the best self-esteem and not thinking highly of myself, you know, not even liking myself at some points in my life, if I can admit that. And you know, I didn't realize that it was me, you know, I had the answer all along, it was me all along who had to do this, instead of, you know, searching for something else to fill that hole in my heart. You know, I always used to joke around that I had a cheese shaped hole in my heart, but no amount of cheese I ate would ever make me feel better. (laughs) And because I loved cheese. And I think that that was such a huge portion of my journey and still is because like, honestly, Ella, I'm not perfect. I wake up some mornings and I look in the mirror and all I do is, you know, I rip myself apart. You know, my, my nose is too big. My ears are too big. I've got a chin hair. My eyebrows need to be done, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why it is. It's a practice, right? It's a daily practice to love yourself and be gentle with yourself and think about how you feel instead of how you look. It's such a beautiful truth that at the end of the day, the power is in realizing that you create it and manifest it yourself and that no third party object or person can bring that to you. And it may feel as the opposite is true, but it is never sustainable. Absolutely. And I mean, we've, we've all had that great, like, you know, just the other day I went shopping and I bought a new pair of shoes and I felt awesome. It was like a high, right? (laughs) But then I realized like, oh, yeah, these shoes are great, but they don't fulfill me in a meaningful and sustainable way. What fulfills me in a meaningful and sustainable way is loving myself so much that I took myself out on a little date, bought myself lunch and bought a new pair of shoes. It's not the shoes. It's the intention. And that, in fact, was the final portion of me deciding that I wanted to start a clean cosmetics company. It's not about the makeup. It's about the ritual. It's about the intention of standing at the mirror and putting on mascara, not because the mascara makes you pretty, 
but because you know that you are worth your own time and attention. And that was the biggest thing for me during that moment when I was in those depths of despair, right before, you know, you start to see the light, was that I didn't think that I was worth my own time and attention. I stopped showering. I stopped putting on makeup. You know, I went to work. I saw my friends, but I was never really there. And I don't like to call it a depression because I think that there's a lot of stigma around that word. But I was in a place where I just didn't think that I was worth my own time and attention. And I think that that is what spurred me forward to move past it. When I looked in the mirror one day and I realized that I didn't like what I saw and I didn't like who I was. And so, you know, fast forward to, you know, 12 years later. And now the only thing that I see when I look in the mirror is a woman whose intention is to love herself because she truly believes that she is worth it. Oh, I'm crying again. I so appreciate I was teasing you, but I so appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to just be very plain spoken about the things that a lot of people stuff so far down into a dark, dark, deep place. I just think there's so much value in dragging it out into the light and just saying, guess what? <laughs> like Everybody has dabbled in this. Some people have spent a lot of time there. Some people have built townhomes in this place. And <laughs> I, I just think there's so much value in bringing it out into the light and saying, you know, we're in this together. And I think it's so mm. amazing that you turned this in to a company that empowers women. Like if that's not the mm -hmm. bomb diggity, I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, thanks. Ella. But yeah, it's so important to me that, you know, because I know that there are probably a hundred women right now that, that are listening to this podcast that have looked in the mirror, maybe even this very morning and said, I don't like myself that much, you know, and maybe it wasn't something they said out loud or that was right in the beginning or the forefront of their brain, but it's there, you know, it's always there and we need to fight actively against it. Tell me about your no mirror for one week. Oh, so, you know, in keeping with my weird and quirky experimental life, <laughs> I love doing experiments on myself. How am I going to react to this? Let's here, find here. out. Yeah, you know, I think the human psyche is exceptionally interesting and intriguing, and I want to know more about it, but I don't have anyone to do experiments on except myself, right? So what I did was, when I made this realization that, you know, standing in the mirror and, you know, doing my beauty rituals, because one of the things that really got me going was this idea of routine, right? You have a routine, I have a routine, this is my routine in the morning, this is my nighttime routine. And I really didn't like that word because I felt like the word routine to me is just something that you do over and over again without thinking. There's no consciousness behind it. And so I changed my word and, you know, words have power to some people. I know that they, sure. they may not, but for me, words have power. And so the simple act of me changing the word that I used, changing that word routine into the word ritual, for me, what that means is that the action is more important than the result, right? So a routine is just about the action. You're just going through and, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just something that you do. Whereas a ritual is something that you're doing with intention, but the action is still the most important part. The end result doesn't matter, right? I.e., I put on makeup not so I'm pretty. That's the end result. I put it on because during that ritual, I'm paying attention to myself. And so rituals for me are all around my life. And mm. 
one of the things that I noticed was that part of my ritual was also to look at my body in the mirror, right? And I'm, I'm approaching 40 and so, and I've had a child. And so my body is not necessarily where I want it to be in terms of how it looks, right? And I was a little bit, not, yeah, I'm going to use this word. I was a little bit obsessive about how my body looked. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm careful with what I eat and I, and I go to the gym every day and I hike and I mountain bike. And so what happened to me though, was keeping in mind that that idea of ritual, right? The action being more meaningful than the result. I was losing sight of that, you know, because instead of going to the gym, because I love the experience of being with all the people in the gym and, and, you know, doing my workout and listening to podcasts, because I listen to podcasts while I work out, just like everyone should. I was losing sight of that joy and focusing so much on the result, focusing on, do my arms look like Madonna's? You know, <laughs> are my legs getting smaller? Can I fit into that dress? And what I realized is that I, I was turning my own rituals against me because again, I was focusing not on the doing, but on the end result. And so I decided that I was going to stop looking in the mirror for one week. And I wow. did. And, and, this, and this is crazy because everybody was like, how did you put your makeup on? And I'm like, girl, I've been a makeup artist for 20 years. I can put my makeup on without a mirror. Okay. And so, <laughs> I mean, what did you do with like just your vanity mirror, your bathroom mirror? Did you put something over it or did you, do you just have that much discipline? No, I put something over the one in my, I have like a, an ensuite bathroom in my bedroom and I yeah. put something over that one, but then all the other mirrors in the sure. house, I just didn't look in them. And I think that you know, this may feel like it's a bit extreme to some people, but honestly, I just, there was a point that I was like, no, I am not taking joy from my rituals. And if I can't take joy from my rituals, then what's the point, right? If, if all I'm doing is focusing on the end result and I'm not actually enjoying my daily life, then I, that's not how I want to live, right? So I did this for one week and I'll tell you what happened, Ella. It was three phases. First phase was panic. I have to look in the mirror. What am I doing? I need to look like, how do I look? What's going on? Second phase was seeking help. Hey, Amanda, how do I look today? How does this dress look on me? How does my face look? Right? So I was, I, was I feel so, like I like, don't know anything. I can't do <laughs> yeah, math. <laughs> I really, yeah. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. And then the third phase was acceptance. And that was, it doesn't matter how I look because what started happening was I started noticing Oh, after I, you know, I ate a, a spinach salad for lunch and my body felt really good after that. I felt energized. You know, my digestive tract felt good. You know, sometimes you eat a heavy lunch and you just don't feel that great, but you're not really paying attention to how you feel because you're busy looking at how you look. Sure. Right. And so it was all about the acceptance of being okay with not looking at it and noticing how it felt. And so by about day three, I just started feeling really good. In fact, everyone for the rest of that week, because I journal, and so I actually look back on this, told me how great I looked. Just, you know, and I think it's because I, I was radiating this confidence from within because I didn't care about how it looked in the mirror. And I also didn't care about how it looked to them. It was nice to hear it, of course, because who doesn't like to be told that they look nice? Right. But more importantly, you know, I felt strong. I felt fit. I felt healthy. I felt like I could have, you know, lifted a car off of someone. I just, I felt so good. And everything I ate, I ate it so consciously and I ate it slowly and I tasted it and savored it. You know, my clothes felt really good on my body. Um, I felt great walking down the street. I felt great dancing in my living room. I just, I really felt the joy of how my body felt. And now 
you know, directly after that, did I, you know, immediately start looking at myself in the mirror again? Of course I did, right? I want to look at, you know, how good I look in this skirt I love. But what I stopped doing was berating myself when my eyes were trying to play tricks on my brain. Oh, how brilliant. Because that's what we do, right? Our eyes think that they are the boss of our brain. And that's not true, guys. Your brain is the boss of you. And you are the boss of your brain, right? Your soul and your essence can tell your brain what to think. You just have to practice. And so because I, I removed my eyes from the equation for a full week, I'm much better at making my brain say, no, no, eyes. No, no, (laughs) I'm in charge. This body feels spectacular. And so it looks spectacular too. I love the emphasis on how you are feeling and sort of how you are looking. And I have to ask you though, what was the hardest part of that abstinence? The hardest part, to be honest, was that I missed, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I felt like I missed picking myself apart. You know what I mean? Like oh, how there's, there's, there's this strange pleasure in going, oh, that jiggly belly or, oh, look at those legs or, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like it's because that's your comfort, right? Your comfort is what is usual to you instead of your, you know, if your usual is to feel unempowered and to feel trapped or to feel sad or to feel alone, then that's the place you go to. And it's like a negative feedback loop. It's really hard to get out of it. And so that was the main thing that I noticed when I stopped allowing myself, you know, to pick my body apart by staring in the mirror was that I could move forward without that feeling anymore. But it was hard. And yeah, and I did miss that part. And I know that sounds crazy, but (laughs) no, it doesn't because habits aren't good by definition. They're neutral. So that was a bad habit that your brain was addicted to. And so you had those ruts carved into your brain and it must have taken quite a bit of effort to override them. So no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's absolutely, you're so right, Ella, like the, you know, all the statistics on starting a new habit and breaking a bad habit, like we don't think about our own emotional self-talk as a habit, but it is, you know, think about all the things that you think about the greeting you use every morning to greet your coworkers or your, or your partner or your kids. You know, it's usually the same thing you say to them, just like the greeting that you give yourself when you begin your negative self-talk, it's always the same. And so you have to find a way to cut that loop so you don't do it anymore. And again, I'm not perfect. You know, people are often asking me like, oh, you must always feel so good about yourself. And I'm like, no, because I'm not yes. a, ro- I'm not a robot. Every day. Right? Every yes. day. I'm amazing. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I, that is actually usually how I, what, how I respond. But, but the real answer is like, no, because I'm not a robot. You know, I'm not a Stepford wife. Of course, there are days that I don't feel awesome. But I think the biggest thing is to just to accept that as well. And to say like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm a spectacular human being. Look at this bicep. But also on the days that I'm not really feeling it, that's okay too. Just to not get caught up in that negative self-talk. Yeah, I posted something recently on Instagram and it said, practice makes permanent. And Mm. of course you're accustomed to hearing practice makes perfect, which is false, unless you're practicing perfectly, whatever that means. Mm. But practice makes permanent. And when I read that recently, which is what inspired me to post it, I thought, gosh, what are all the things that I'm practicing that I've made permanent without wanting to? If somebody said to me, you know what? Every time you look in a mirror, I'm going to have you criticize three parts of yourself. Yeah, Mm. you know, your Mm. wish is my command every single time. (laughs) And if somebody had given me that as an option, I would have said, no, thank you. I'm good. But of course, I've created that pattern and I practice it every day of my life. 
Absolutely. And you're so right. I mean, and this idea of perfection, you know, and I love that you say practice makes permanent because that is something that I am I'm so passionate about. You know, we have a saying around my home and, and basically everyone who knows me has heard me say this ad nauseum, but there is no such thing as perfection. You know, perfection is an illusion. And I actually call it the disease of perfection mm-hmm. because I know so many people and women in particular are you know, we're, we're particularly bad at this. We, we are the ones that are afflicted, I say, more so with this disease of perfection. And it's the idea, if I can just be, do, make everything, look and feel and, you know, have everything be perfect, you know, I will finally be loved, right? I will finally be loved by whoever it is that I want to be loved by, but specifically, I'll finally be loved by myself. It's so sad because perfection is a total illusion, we always say that, you know, we're striving for excellence, not perfection. And I think that that is something that I really keep with me every day because I too suffered from the disease of perfectionism. You know, I'm in remission at the moment. <laughs> and I think the the biggest reason is that I admittedly, one of the biggest failures I know, and that's okay, because every time I fail, I pick myself up and I dust myself off and I keep going. And that is what I think is truly noble. I love that. I used to look at failing as falling short of something and, you know, so afraid to fall short and that fear can keep people from ever even trying. And now I've just sort of reframed the concept. First of all, I don't know anyone who's accomplished anything without a list of failures behind them. But to me, it's like, I tell you what, I just want to fail forward. Like I want to fall on my face and not on my butt. Like, let me just fail forward because when I get up, I'm three steps ahead of where I was. So I'm not falling short. I'm failing forward. And those aren't just trite words that I say, because listen, I practice sucking at things on a daily basis. (laughs) You know, Ella, that is something that I love so much. I actually gave a speech at an event about the art of practicing everyday joy. And the example that I always give is uh, tennis. I love tennis. Do you play tennis? Are you a tennis fan? I mean, it, this would be a perfect example of something that I make other people feel really good about when they play against me. Yes. And see, this is my thing is I am the worst tennis player you have ever seen in your life. But I love playing tennis. And the reason that I love it is because I get to be physical. I love the sound of the ball and my racket. I love playing against someone who feels really good because they beat me all the time. <laughs> and that's because in the moment I'm experiencing joy. Right. And when I stop and notice the joy of that moment, I don't care that I'm no good at it. I don't care that I'm never going to win a game. It's about experiencing joy for what you're doing. And again, not being worried about that outcome. And I think that 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 is something that has led me to be okay with with failing. Right. And you're right. Fail forward for sure. And recognize that, you know, there are things that you're just not going to be good at. And that's okay. If you love doing it, keep doing it because it's a chance to learn more about yourself and how you take failure, right? Like I, there's nothing I love more than somebody just whipping my butt because then I'm like, oh, how do I feel about that? You know, and you notice how you're reacting to it. Well, I think there's so much here because I think it's very easy for people to oversimplify this concept and then reject it because Mm -hmm. they're saying, no, I want to be good at life. I want to be good at my career, et cetera, et cetera. So what I find really, really powerful is when accomplished people speak to this topic because you know what 
ain't nothing wrong with mastery. Like I'm all about success. I'm all about accomplishment. I'm all about mastery. But when your life only comprises elements you can master or things you can do very, very well, it will get smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. and smaller. So I have zero issue making a fool out of myself or trying something new or doing something that I absolutely suck at, especially Mm -hmm. if I have fun doing it. Just for, honestly, just to counteract that myopicness, that myopia that sets in when you only want to do things you're good at. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and if you think about it, you think about all of the great athletes or musicians or artists, you know, they didn't come out of the womb creating masterpieces, right? And so, you know, there is always an amount of practice that that needs to happen And I think that the practice is where the true joy lies. And if you can really notice how much joy the practice brings you, then that is when you do become a master, regardless of whether you're internationally renowned, right? Because I think being the master of your own joy, like you said, not letting your life pass you by being so focused and obsessed with just success in one area. I'd rather have success in my life than success in just one area, right? And I think that that is so true, but we do, we get bogged down in this idea that I have to be good at something to enjoy it. And that's just not true. Well, I want to talk about something that you happen to have mastered and are doing (laughs) very well at, and that is this product line that you've created and all of the things that are elate. And one thing that I think would be useful is to just share like what you saw in the industry. Now we're talking about the real toxicity that you can actually see, touch and feel. What did you see in the cosmetic industry that sent you running in the opposite direction ultimately? Like what's the big deal with all of that fabulous, lovely makeup that we love to play with so much? What's Mm -hmm. going on there? Well, you know, so with the ingredients specifically, There are many, many things that are not safe for us to be putting on our faces on a daily basis. I think that the first thing that I noticed was my own allergies. So I, for years and years, couldn't wear eyeshadow and I didn't know why. And then I realized that there were dyes in the eyeshadow that I was actually allergic to. So once I figured this out, I started digging a little bit deeper. And then I started noticing that some brands were using the same types of ingredients that, you know, go into antifreeze. And I was like, that's weird. And then I noticed that most cosmetic products had formaldehyde in them. And I thought, oh, that's really weird because that's not good for me. You know, and then I started noticing lead and, you know, trace elements of metal minerals that like are natural because they're within the earth, but they're not good for us. You know, mercury is a naturally occurring element, but I definitely don't recommend anybody drink it. And so I started paying attention to what the ingredient listings were, and I really started making some personal choices because that's who I am, right? I do enjoy to stand up on a soapbox and to share my knowledge, but I'm never going to pass judgment on anyone for something that they use because I think that, you know, with this type of product, it's very personal. And so I started making some personal choices that, you know what, I don't want to use products that have, you know, these particular ingredients in them. And then... The thing that really hit home for me as well was animal testing and cruelty-free ingredients. So pretty much every major cosmetic company on the market tests on animals. And I just, I couldn't do it. You know, we, when I think of the word cruelty, it's not just about animals too, it's about people. So one of the things that people don't realize is that testing on animals isn't the only way that companies can be cruel. 
all the mica, which is the the shiny colored part that's in your lipsticks and your eyeshadows, that's mined. It's a rock that comes from the earth and it needs to be mined. And very often it's mined by children or it's mined uh, by people that are paid nothing. And so, you know, it's not just about cruelty to animals because we're testing products on them and burning them and ultimately making them lead horrible lives that lead to death. But we're also uh, mistreating humans to Can you imagine a child mined for 12 hours yesterday to make someone's lipstick next week? I couldn't stand that. You know, moreover than that, palm oil, you know, non-sustainable palm oil sources, you know, raping the Brazilian forests. Even more close to home, castor oil. Castor oil is an ingredient that is in a lot of things. It's in cosmetics, it's in skincare, it's in food. And the castor plant is actually poisonous. So the oil that's inside the plant is perfectly safe and wonderful for us to use. But the plant emits a poison to deter predators from eating it. It's a way that it can self-propagate, right? The workers that have to harvest the castor plants can get sick and ultimately die if they're not given the correct equipment to harvest the plant. And I'm sure you can imagine that poor farmers can't often afford to buy all the equipment. So there are people that, again, are getting sick and dying to harvest an oil for you to put on your face. I am so ignorant. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And so, and everybody is, Ella. Like, don't feel bad about it. This is all stuff that was new to me, too. And I've been in the industry for 15 years at this point, yeah. right? So, you know, but immediately once I saw that, I became so emotional because, again, you know, I'd had this beautiful journey and went from routine to ritual. And I, like, love myself and I look in the mirror and I'm putting my makeup on. And then I realized that my joy was causing someone else pain. And I could not have that. I could not participate in that. And so that was one of the linchpins of discovering the type of company that I wanted to have and the type of products that I wanted to make. Furthermore, you know, toxicity of the products themselves aside, you know, I had never been comfortable with the fear and shame based marketing that the beauty industry had used. And so I wanted to move away from that as well. Because the most important thing that anyone will ever tell you is that you are worthless. Because if that's what you already think, and then you get confirmation, well, of course, I'm going to run out and buy that product, you know, and that's how big companies are making their money, is this idea that if they can keep us feeling not so great about ourselves, their products are the answer to our, you know, to our prayers. And so I wanted my life to be as cruelty free as possible. Because the thing that people don't realize is that the opposite of kindness is not cruelty, right? It's inattention. Mm. So when I think about the word cruelty, I think about inattention. I think about not paying attention to what I'm doing. And so that was what spurned me forward was now that I have all this knowledge, I can't ignore it. I have to pay attention. And so now I have to flip that over because all the attention I'm paying is what equals kindness. And so... That's where it comes from. It's just, yeah, my own disgust at my own ignorance for so many years of not recognizing that, oh, yeah, these products all have chemicals in them. That's really bad for me. I'm going to stop using them. But then even furthermore, to go forward into just how they're made and the practices they're made. And one more piece, and this is also something that's really important to me, is sustainability. So, you know, if you open up your makeup bag right now and you've got 20 items in there, they're probably all made of plastic. They're probably all not recyclable or reusable, which means that you've got essentially a bag on your beauty counter that is full of garbage. And when it's finished, it's going to go to the landfill. And so I am 
you know, we don't live a waste-free lifestyle because that is, I have a lot of respect for people who can do that, but we try to live as minimally and low waste as possible. And again, it's, it's that word conscious. And so I really wanted everything to not only be talk non-toxic, cruelty-free, but I also wanted everything to be sustainable. So we're working towards actually being the world's first waste-free cosmetic company. So that way, if that's the lifestyle that you've chosen, we can support you in that. Melody, as a businesswoman, I have to ask you this. What has been the hardest part of marrying your principles and your core values Mm. to owning and operating a profitable business? Because that can sometimes be kind of clunky. You know what? That's a great question. So we have five core values at my company, and those core values are at the heart of every single thing that we do. And what I have found is that, you know, using our values, our morals and our ethics as a compass always drives us in the right direction. Mm. So whenever we have to make a decision, there are three things that I look at. Is it high quality? Is it purposeful? And is it aligned with our five core values? We actually have like a Venn diagram in our back room that has that on it. I love it. And where those three things intersect is always a yes for Elate. Whether it's a new product, whether it's a marketing campaign, whether it's hiring a new team member, whether it's doing a podcast with a beautiful woman like Ella, it has to be those three things, high quality, purposeful, and aligned. And I think that that actually has been the biggest business driver for us is because we are so ethical we actually attract a lot of positive energy and the company just keeps growing. And here's the best part is when I have to say no, I am so empowered by that. No, because I have this special, you know, I don't want to call it a system, but I have this very special place that I know this no is warranted because it's not any of these three things. And then what's actually happened, you know, I've had a deal that with a larger company where they approached us and they wanted to carry our product And when I took a look at their company, they were not aligned with our morals, ethics, and values. They were not aligned with our five core values. And I, even though it was going to be a very financially lucrative deal, I had to say no. And I will tell you, Ella, I felt so good, but also so terrified because (laughs) I was like, oh God, what am I doing? But a week later, an even better deal was presented by a better company. Hmm. And if I had said yes to the first people, I wouldn't have been able to say yes to the second people. Funny thing that. It is. Funny thing that universe. Well, I'll tell you something. I think this is so useful for people, no matter what their industry or non-industry, just whatever their calling is. First of all, if we spent any time sort of identifying what our core values are, and they're going to be unique to the individual, and then used as decision-making criteria, you know, is it quality, is it purposeful, and is it aligned with my core values? There's just so much universal value in that filter, Melody. It's very true. And, you know, and I also use it as a litmus test for people that I want to do business with and for, you know, people that I want on my team. You know, if our five core values are even somewhat aligned with yours, then we're probably going to get along, you know, but my number one core value is kindness. So, you know, if your number one core value is not, then, you know, then we, we may have uh, some, some conflict, which is okay. But at the end of the day, I think to be truly successful, you have to feel like you are aligned with your own soul and with your own purpose. And in order to do that, you've got to surround yourself with, with people in situations that are aligned with your core values. People are going to want to know what the other four are. So the first one's kindness. What's two, three, four, and five? <laughs> 
So uh, kindness, wellness, which of course encompasses all mm-hmm. things wellness, spirit, which is the ability to take time for oneself and be at one with the world and whatever spirit kind of feels to you. And that's a great one. Our staff all love that one. <laughs> Authenticity, because, you know, being open and honest about who you are and what you stand for is so important. And community, because we rise by lifting others and community is so important to me. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm getting teary again talking about my five core values. <laughs> I mean, I can't help it. I'm good at what I do, Melody. <laughs> <laughs> Melody, this has been an absolute joy. And to make it even better, I understand that you have something that you want to share with the listeners. And I don't even know what this is. So you've got something special coming out. It's new, it's toxin-free, it's vegan. What is it? So we have a new product launching this autumn and it is a brow balm. I don't so, know what that is. <laughs> I know. So what it is, it's kind of like a waxy pomade for your eyebrows that has color. It's totally toxin-free, cruelty-free, vegan, and completely waste-free packaging. And it doesn't come off once it sets. So you can go running, you can go swimming. It is, we have tested it through very sweaty workouts and uh, two of my girls are paddlers. So they've tested it on the water and it is spectacular. People are going to love that. Oh, you know what, Ella, people are going bananas already. Like even my staff can't wait to get their hands on it. That's awesome. So what we're going to be doing is the product doesn't actually launch until September 15th, but we're allowing VIP customers to purchase it on August 15th. So a whole month before anybody else gets their hand on it, you can go to the website and put in the code BROWVIP, B-R-O-W-V-I-P, and you would be able to purchase the product first. Oh, I appreciate the sneak peek. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Anytime. Melody, you are an absolute treasure. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your inner and outer beauty with us today. I tell you, what is really, really profound is when powerful, accomplished women share I want to say the ugly side, but it's not the ugly side, mm-hmm. Melody. It's just the dark side that we never drag into the light. And I just think it's so useful, not for darkness's sake, but just for the, I don't know, for the community aspect of sharing and just saying, you know what, girl, I feel the same way every day. And we have to manage our own thoughts because our thoughts become our words and our actions and our deeds, and they make up our whole life at the end of the day. And for you to connect the dots for us all the way back to finding a space and time to actually care for yourself and create a ritual for yourself and spend a little time appreciating yourself. And if you can't get to appreciation, at least start with gratitude. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you. This was such a joy for me. Melody, come back any time. I'll be waiting for my brow kit. Awesome. (laughs) You'll get one. (laughs) All right, girl. Thanks. Thanks, Ella. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.